Hi, this is Tom Schultz, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, what's up? This is Scott Ian from Anthrax, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, everyone. This is Michael Wilson from Queensryche, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, everyone. This is Todd LaTorre from Queensryche, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hello and welcome to episode 237 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing the best hard rock, heavy metal rock, and blues talk on the net. Episode 237, we have, as you heard at the top of the hour, joining us from the band Queensryche, we have Todd Latore, who is going to talk to us about uh, some kind of recent news uh, that's been all over the internet, widely reported, but we thought it would be really cool to hear from member of the band themselves. Uh, Queensryche has finally come to a settlement uh, with former vocalist Jeff Tate uh, on the whole naming issue and the who has control of Operation Mindcrime and the logo, uh, etc. So I had a chance to talk to Todd. Todd gives us all the details of everything that's going on with that, as well as, probably more importantly, where the band's headed in the future. Uh, what's next for Queensryche uh, following up their self-titled album, uh, that debuted uh, Todd on vocals, which was a fantastic record. Where do they go from here? So we're going to talk to Todd in just a moment. Also joining us on the program, we have an uh, up-and-coming new band called The Raskins. Uh, we have Logan Raskin joining us on the phone. They're doing some uh, touring with some pretty well-named artists. Uh, going to be coming to Pittsburgh hopefully very, very soon. So we thought I'd introduce you to the band The Raskins. So without further ado, we're going to talk to Todd Latore of Queensryche. Here's a little bit of their last album from the self-titled Queen's Break album. Shades of gray were the colors of my soul Accepted miseries embraced for all so long The hands of time Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome to the show from the official Queensryche, we have Todd Latore. How are you doing, Todd? I'm well. How are you? Doing very well. This has got to be a very exciting and, and yet relieving time for you guys, uh, obviously on the heels of the, the big uh, kind of ruling or agreement, or whatever you want to call it, uh, between what is now Queensryche and the former vocalist Jeff Tate. Um you guys are kind of finally able to move forward without, you know, that cloud hanging over you. So I, I, I've got to ask, how relieving is that at this point? It's very relieving. Um, you know, the 
the drawback, as you know, and, and many of the, the people out there know, is uh, during that whole time is just fan confusion. Um, you know, there's using different band photos for different shows and mm-hmm. so it's, you know, oh, Queen's right coming. Well, which version? So yeah. that can be very confusing and, and, uh, you know, there are promotional things out there even now that could be interpreted as somewhat misleading. I mean, Queensryche, as we know it now, is is certainly not on a farewell tour. I mean, we are, sure. you know, Jeff and his band is doing a farewell tour, but I've had several people ask, um, you know, about that. And I guess just to have it finally over with is is relieving for the guys in the band i'm sure that the other side is very relieved because uh now everyone can can move on in the, in in a good direction without without all that hassle and you know we everyone in in the band wishes everyone well so there's no there's no ill will or hard fe- uh, feelings or anything but it's been a it's been a tough process um but now that that's over, you know, certainly the fans are excited that uh, we are, you know, going to be the only Queens right now and we can move forward and put out a new record. And it's all good. I mean, yeah. it's definitely a, a, a way better time now than, it, than it's been before. I mean, we've still had a great time, but certainly it's tough when there's two bands under the same name. Yeah, it is always, I know, from, you know, even with what we do, we've had um, the opportunity to speak with you. We've had Michael on the show. We've had Jeff Tate on the show, to be quite honest. And, you know, you're going through and you're tagging who's on the show, and you're like, okay, well, I typed Queensryche, but which Queensryche is this on Facebook? You know, you've got to look that up. Right. You're, you're constantly, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's not quite as bad as the L.A. Guns got, but it did get a little confusing. Um, sure. You, you know, so it is good, and, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, have, it's it almost I, I look at it as kind of a win-win because you know the the material with Queensrÿche you know through the Chaos record was was to a point but I think almost both bands made a better album on the other side of it so you know if that's what it takes you know to have Jeff Tate making good music and Queensrÿche making good music then you know I, I would rather have harmony and good music than you know five guys staying together that aren't feeling the chemistry you know so it's it's a win. Well yeah I mean to add to your point. It, it is a win-win um, simply for the fact that there was a mutual agreement on both sides. So mm-hmm. yeah. both parties, you know, felt that this is the best agreement we're going to have. And so, you know, it is a win-win for both sides. Yeah. Every Each side ultimately agreed on what they wanted, mm-hmm. and it's all good. Yeah, exactly. And I guess the one question that, you know, I think a lot of people wanted to know um, you know, myself included, as I comb through the press releases, Queensryche will still be able to play selections from Mindcrime and Mindcrime 2, just not the entirety. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, and then and yeah, and, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I mean, we're not gonna we're not gonna play Mindcrime one or two uh, in its entirety in one night. We could have done that for the last two years, and we didn't. Mm. I mean, I think that the fans just kind of over that i yeah. think that it's just been done and it's and it's a great thing but mm. 
there's only so many times you can hear that album, especially played from front to back. And so we're really, you know, our main focus has been, um, you know, the, the EP up to Empire. So yes, we will be continuing to play songs from Operation Mind Crime. Um, so we are allowed, we are allowed to play songs from that. We're just not going to play it, uh, you know, in its entirety in one setting. Right, start to finish, which is, which yeah. is good. You know, I think you're exactly right. I mean, we, we had, you know, they did the Mind Crime back in 92-ish, I'm going to guess. It was the year that, you know, the Empire Tour where they played Mind Crime. And, and you know, that was, you know, the heyday. You had Scott and, 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 um, Chris and everybody in the band at that sure. time. And that was, you know, that was what it was. And it was a great moment of time. It's been encapsulated online. It was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. I mean, I, I saw that Empire tour where they did mind crime and Empire mm-hmm. stuff and it was, uh, it was, it was killer. Yeah. Now the one thing I've noticed, you know, you, you've been in the band for quite some time now is, uh, you know, how well received as a vocalist and as a person you've been with the band, you know, you think back to, you know, when bands replaced singers, you know, Vince Neil, you know, obviously David Lee Roth, the, you know, the whole disaster that was the career of the Eagles. But for some reason it seems that you've been, there hasn't been the animosity, and maybe you see that differently, I'm sure. Um, but in the media, you know, the blabbermouths in the world, the reaction to Todd Latore and Queen's Rock has been, was, you know, overwhelmingly positive. Um, is that something you sense or do you feel or, or does fans express to you why that is? Um, that's a good question. I I do feel that the majority of the fans um, have accepted me. And, you know, I really do my best to honor the classic material mm-hmm. the way that it was. I do something a little different and, and, you know, my vocal cords are not Jeff Tate's vocal cords. And what he did in the past was, um, very influential to me. Mm-hmm. And I've said that numerous times. So I've always had a tremendous amount of respect for his vocal abilities on those on those first five albums especially um you know after that the music took a a direction that i wasn't very fond of but uh certainly he you know is is legendary and hailed as one of the greatest vocalists in the genre so um, nothing bad to say there at all um it's a tough thing because you do have the purists that only see you know there are the haters that say that make fun of me and call me a clone and do this mm-hmm. and do that. And to be honest, I, at first, you know, that stuff, you know, I'm a human being too. So yeah. nobody likes to, to hear those hurtful things. But, but now I, I really, I really don't care. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if people want to, ju- you know, people say, you know, no, no Jeff, no Queens, right. And it's like, well, okay. You, you could say that when Chris DeGarmo left back in, you know, the mid to late nineties. I mean, let's, let's get real here. I mean, that these guys are the songwriters of that music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they wrote the music to those songs. So if I'm, you know, or some people say, Oh, he's a copycat. And I say, wow, well, if you really think that I sound that close, 
to what it sounded like on those records or live performances back in the day, then I'll consider that a compliment. I mean, yeah. if a guitar, if somebody said, oh gosh, he sounds just like Steve Vai, <laughs> you yeah. know, Jeez, it's like, sorry. well, shit, that's a good thing, you know, or he plays just like Ingve Malmsteen. Well, okay, if I'm going to be lumped into to these great names, I don't see that as a bad thing. Um, and so, yeah, the majority, I think, have, have really spoken. I mean, our, our album sales are close to 80,000 worldwide. And by today's standards, I, personally, I would equate that to, geez, three, four, five hundred thousand records sold if we were back in the, the great days when there were actually album stores and people went out and purchased CDs like they used to. Right. Um, but, the, you know, the other bands that you mentioned, I mean, Sammy Hagar did wonders with Van Halen. Um, yeah. Bruce Dickinson did amazing things with Iron Maiden, and, and he still does. Uh, mm-hmm. So there are there are many bands that have gone on uh, who have become the new vocalist of a band that was already established and had a loyal fan base. Certainly, you know, Jeff has a lot of albums with Queensryche under under his name, mm-hmm. uh, but. Uh, you know, I'm very thankful to those supporters of of Michael and Scott and Eddie um, and those that have accepted Parker and myself into the band. We are truly thankful. And, uh, you know, we're we're just trying to write great music. I mean, we're not hiring outside writers. You know, some of those last albums had outside writers and put a Queensryche stamp on it. And it's just it's not really an accurate representation and of what the yeah. band Queens write writes. So that's what we are trying to do. And we're not forcing, oh, we have to make a heavy record or we have to do this. We have to do that. We're just collectively writing stuff together and putting it all into the pot. And let's see what the best is that, that we can come out with. So we're excited about the next album too, but yeah, I think that the majority of the fans, I mean, you know how many times people come up after a show and say, Todd, and I don't even like the credit. I'm I'm flattered, but I don't feel quite worthy of the credit. But they say, thank you for giving me my favorite band back. You're singing these songs that we haven't heard in in decades. And you're really, you know, and I sometimes I have off nights. I'll go for the high note and, you know, maybe I don't reach it, but I always go for it. And, uh, you know, I always give it my best and try to to give the best I can for the fans and the guys in the band more right. than for myself. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a great point you make about giving people their band back. Um, you know, because I know, you know, with the Chaos Record, for example, tremendous amount of people with with negative remarks. Now, I think there were some upsides for what for what record for the the dedicated to Chaos. The uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. But um, you know, when you listen to it, you think, okay, well, if the events that that happened with, with um, Jeff had unfolded, and they just decided to break the band up, we have no Queensrÿche, and you know, then we're just pining for reunions for the next ten years. Right. So I mean, right. By and, and then you guys come out and make a fantastic record. Uh, Thank and, you. And the question, you know, for me now is, you know. The material that you're working on for the forthcoming album, which I know is, is a bit of a ways off. I mean, are you what part of the writing phase are you in? Are you guys into like pre-production yet, or is it still a little too soon for that? Um, 
we're still we're still writing songs. I mean, we've got now. I was just going through my files last night, and I'm gathering all the song ideas that we all have. And geez, there's probably I'm going to say easily twenty twenty songs that are in you know various stages. Obviously, some aren't going to make the cut. Some of them have a great verse, but need a good chorus and. So actually tonight I'll be recording at home uh, uh, another song that Parker and I wrote together mm-hmm. that's really killer, and uh, and then there's another uh, two songs that Michael and I have been working on that are that are ready for vocals, and so I'm gonna finish tracking vocals tonight. So uh, in we're still in the writing phase and we're we're demoing, you know we're kind right. of putting together demos and then we'll go into a pre-production as a band and uh, I'm not sure who's going to I don't know if we're just going to self-produce or if we're going to get um a, another producer um or if James Barton will co-produce again I don't really know right. um you know but we're in the we're in the demo phase and there's some really cool stuff there it's definitely I think this record is going to breathe a little more yeah uh I know that there's a few you know, five, six minute songs. The one Michael and I are working on is in the eight, eight and a half minute, uh, range. So, you know, and that's kind of a cross between almost a roads to madness and sweet sister Mary vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, it just happened to kind of be in that similar vein. Um, so yeah, we're just moving along. And once we get a nice, once we've got everything selected, okay, this is what's making the record then we'll jump right into the studio and really pound this thing out because we're eager to, to have the next release, but surely this is an important, um, each yeah. record's important, but you know, the first one was a nice little stamp in the beginning. Um, and so the fans are really eager. Okay. What can they do next? So yeah. we have to be smart about this and not rush something out just for the sake of, to put a record out again. Exactly. And then you guys have uh, kind of a handful of dates going across the summer. Um, do we? Do you expect to see more dates filling in in the summer, or are you guys kind of kind of take a little bit of a relaxed approach? Other than that, in June, where you have a. Um, I'm I'm not really sure. Actually, um, we'll be having some business meetings uh, with our with our two um, booking agents. We have an agent that does all of North America, you know, the U.S. and Canada. We have another agent that um, that does everywhere else. So we're, you know, we're um, going to talk with with that agency as well and find out uh, strategically what makes the most sense. And and a lot of it kind of revolves around the album release as to when we'll play certain markets because you know if we're going to play a certain market and then the album drops two months later. And it would be more of an advantage to come to go to that area the first time, mm-hmm. you know, two months later. Then we'll right. do that. But you know, the 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 territories now that we have um, in our in our hand, in our hands are uh, South Africa, Australia, China, Japan. Um, I think parts of the UAE like Dubai. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I said India. Uh, Latin America, so Central and South America, you know, we're 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 really kind of uh, trying to put together a full tour 
a world tour um, with a with a good two year cycle plan. Awesome. So I'm not really sure what's in store. I mean, our our agents are constantly negotiating and working with promoters and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So awesome. uh, sometimes I find out about, <laughs> about a date on our Queensrÿch official site, um, and then I go, "Oh, we're we're playing here." <laughs> I'll get yeah. a text from somebody. Dude, you're coming to my area. I'm like, I am. Okay. You know, we're just. That's why we have people take care of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just get on the bus and wherever they stop, get off and sing. Yeah. Oh, Where's my tea and my mic? <laughs> exactly, yeah. I'm just kidding. Awesome. All right. Well, Todd, I want to thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you hopefully in Pittsburgh before too long, and uh, we wish you all the best with a new record. You take care. Right on. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Have a great day. All right, giant. Thank you to Todd Latore of Queensrÿche again. Uh, they'll be doing some touring this summer. Uh, if you check out their website, uh, I believe it's queensrikeofficial.com. Google it. Uh, Queensrike still belongs to Jeff Tate. Um, so you can check out where Jeff is going as well as where uh, Queensrike is going. Uh, Queensrike is doing some shows. I believe they're doing a show in Erie, Pennsylvania, which is probably the most western PA. But hopefully in the tour that they are, uh, have forthcoming, we'll see a Pittsburgh date sooner than later. Uh, and as I mentioned, uh, Jeff's website, Queensryche, he's doing a farewell to uh, Queensryche kind of tour. I just finished the Operation Mindcrime 25th anniversary show, which I did have an opportunity to see. It was, it was great. It was always always cool to see Operation Mindcrime performed. Uh, haven't had the opportunity to check out Queensryche live. As, um, just haven't had the schedule line up to see them, so hopefully we'll get to see them in the very near future. A great record, though, if you get a chance on Century Media. The self-titled Queensryche from, I believe that was 2013. That album came out well worth the listen. Uh, we're going to turn our attention now to a, a new band uh, with some musicians who have been around for a while, have done some acting and things like that. The, the Brothers Raskin. Uh, the band is called The Raskins. Uh, we talked to Logan Raskin. Uh, so we're going to get into that interview. We're going to play a little track of uh, some of their material here. We'll get an interview with Logan.
gentlemen, I'd like to welcome to the show from the band The Raskins. We have Logan Raskin on the show. How you doing, Logan? Good. How you doing, John? Doing fantastic. You are out on the road right now supporting Scott Weiland, uh, obviously of, of formerly of Stone Temple Pilots, um, which is a you know obviously a very coveted spot uh, for a band who's getting ready to release their debut album. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about um, the band and the style of music you guys play? Well, you know, the band is myself, Logan Raskin, my twin brother, Roger Raskin. Um, we started this project actually about three and a half years ago, which okay. originally started off as a writing project. My brother and I were doing a lot of writing for TV and film, and we were getting like tons of emails from all over the country and even in Europe and South America from our, you know, the fans that had seen our music or heard our music in the different projects that we were writing for. So it was really pretty much the writing was on a, on the wall for us. It was just a matter of time before we were just going to put together this live project. Mm-hmm. And we finally decided to do that and record the record and put together the Raskins. And pretty much the music is, you know, it, 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 it pretty much is, is about our influences from where we grew up. We're both born and raised in New York City on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And growing up in that scene for, for many years, you know, obviously some of our biggest influences were, you know, bands like, you know, Kiss or the Ramones or the New York Dolls or the Stooges, Blondie, Talking Heads. I mean, the list goes on and on. And, and when we even have some, you know, uh, folkier influences such as like Simon and Garfunkel or even like Steely Dan or Richie Havens. But, mm. you know, these are the artists that, we used to see in all the clubs, you know, growing up. I mean, I was going to those clubs when I was 13 and 12 and just kind of seeing these artists and just being influenced by them. And it definitely became our influences. So I I think you really hear a lot of that, you know, in the style of music. And and I think that we accomplished that with this this album uh, that we have coming out May 13th. Um, You're going to hear a lot of those influences come out in the album as well. Now, you, one one thing that I, I was curious about, um, you come from an extremely musical family. Um, do you want to yeah. talk a little bit about how, how some of that kind of crept its way into to your, you know, formative years? Oh, well, sure. I mean, you know, both my parents were, were heavily involved in the music industry. I mean, my father was a big Broadway star. I mean, he was, you know, played a lot of the lead roles and in some of the biggest Broadway plays, I mean, such as Oklahoma, South Pacific, Annie Gets a Gun, Damn Yankees, Elia Darling, I mean, he, 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 West Side Story. I mean, he's, so I kind of grew up watching my dad on Broadway and, and even going out on the road with my dad. My dad used to tour with the band, and he used to do a lot of those uh, Broadway show tunes. So I used to, you know, go out on the road with my dad when I was six years old, five years old, seven years old, and um, kind of remembering all that. And, you know, mm-hmm. my, my mom was a big jazz singer as well in the city, and she used to travel around and, and do club dates. And that's actually where my parents met, funny enough. They, they met in Miami Beach. They were both doing a show. My mom was doing a show at a theater right next to the Fountain Blue. My dad was performing at the Fountain Blue, and they actually met in the lobby of the Fountain Blue Hotel. And, and yeah, they met, got married. You know, They actually got married on, on stage, too, two of them. Yeah. 
but yeah, but um, it was cool. I mean, growing up with them and you know having all those influences. You know, of course, their influences were a lot different than mine, but it, it definitely, I mean, hearing the music of, like, Nat King Cole and Barbara Streisand and Tom Jones and, you know, and, and, and just these different kind of artists growing up in that big band style of music, you know, that had an impact with us as well. And uh, so, I mean, needless to say, I think it was pretty evident that, you know, Roger and myself were going to, end up in the music industry, you know, one way or another. Now, prior to the band, um, you guys worked in the music industry prior to the, to the band. Do you want to talk a little bit about the kind of stuff you wrote and the performing you did? Sure, sure. sure. I mean, um, I mean, uh, you know, we were playing in bands at a young age, I mean, in New York City. I mean, yeah, we had all kinds of bands that we put together. You know, I was in a band mm. called The Buzzards in New York City and a band called The Messy Heads and... Um, you know, and then, like I said, you know, my brother and I, we got into writing music for other artists. I mean, that that was kind of our thing for a while. Um, we we really enjoyed music, but we enjoyed writing music. I mean, we were writing music at a very young age, and it was kind of that was kind of became our thing. So we we had the opportunity to start writing music for some different film projects, some different independent film projects, and. You know, it kind of took off from there. I mean, we, we did a movie called Slingshot, and we did a movie called uh, Minnie's First Time with Alec Baldwin and Jeff Goldblum. And did another film called Middle of Nowhere with Susan Sarandon. And st- wrote some music for CSI Las Vegas. And, you know, and then it just that was kind of our thing for a while. But we eventually knew that we were going to have to put together this project. I mean, I just think it was just a matter of time. And we wanted to, you know, it was a while. We, it took us some time to kind of get into the mindset of playing out live again. It was kind of a, sure. it was a funny transition for us because we hadn't done it for a while. So, but we knew we had to do it. So we actually started off acoustically, my brother and I, and we were in Los Angeles at the time, and we were playing in some of the local clubs acoustically, and then, you know, that was going great. I mean, we love to do that, but we really wanted to take it to a bigger scale. And we found some of the best musicians around Los Angeles and, you know, and sandwiched themselves around us and put together this really kick-ass band. And, you know, we recorded the record and, 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 and here we are and things have really taken off for us, you know. Now, I, I have to ask, you know, from watching the video, I, I wasn't able to distinguish. Now, do you sing and play guitar? Do you both sing and play guitar? How do you break up? duties <laughs> well you know um we actually both do sing we i mean we both we both do sing we both do play guitar but pretty much the dynamic with the raskins and with the band is logan myself i'm doing all the lead vocals mm-hmm. and roger's doing all the background harmonies which is pretty much when you listen to the record there's harmonies on everything it's sure. probably that Simon and Garfunkel influence yeah. coming out, but it's very important to us. And mm-hmm. I mean, Roger could be Roger has a good enough voice where he could be the lead singer easily. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting about the way the two of us sing, and I think it's from all the years of for Roger doing the high harmonies, is that he has actually has a, a wider range vocally than I do. And my mm-hmm. voice, the range isn't as big, but the tonality is a little bit different. And it works really well together. 
um, as far as me singing singing the lead and having Roger do the high harmony. And it's kind of the same like with my guitar playing. Like I do play guitar, and I could play guitar with this band, but like my guitar playing style was really I just play guitar to write. Mm-hmm. I never really wanted to play out live. It wasn't really my thing. I just enjoy composing music. And mm-hmm. Roger actually really enjoys performing the guitar and playing guitar out live. So it works really well in that dynamic. We brought yeah. in a lead guitar player as well, this this guy by the name of uh, Jason Lopez, Jet, we call him Jet, and he's just a smoking lead guitar player. So him and Roger switch off on a lot of the guitar parts, but Roger played pretty much everything on the record. Um, huh. And yeah, I mean, the dynamic really works for, for us, the two of us, and we've continued to do it to this point, and it's just it's going really well so far. Yeah, and it's it's fascinating about the vocal styles. You know, that's one of the things you kind of wonder. You know, you've seen a lot of musical families over the year. You know, you think of the you know the Osmonds and the Jacksons, but yeah. you know, other, when you, when you talk about twins, the only other band that kind of pops into my head instantly is Nelson, which I have no idea which one was which. You know, they yeah, sure couldn't really distinguish yeah. the two, but I mean, they had a very similar kind of pedigree coming from a very musical family. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. no, no yeah. doubt. You know, I wondered, you know, with identical twins, how similar your voices would be. And that's interesting you mentioned that the range difference and the tonality difference. That's really cool. Um, you guys, as I mentioned at the top, you're on the road with Scott Weiland right now. Uh, yeah. You guys, you guys are taking, a, you know, a whopping, what is it, 12 days off before a, a series of headline runs, and then you give yourself another six days uh, to prepare to go out on the road with Saving Able. So... It uh, looks like between April and, and really the end of July, you guys have no time off, uh, and you're going to be hitting the pavement very hard, coast to coast. Yeah, I mean, let me let me tell you, John. It, it's you know, and it's funny. It's almost like one of those things. Like, be careful what you wish for, because you yeah. might get get it. And like, I was telling my whole team, and we 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 all were kind of in agreement that look, your guys' record is done. And the most important thing for you guys right now is to play as many shows as possible and to tour. You know, I mean, we put this whole thing together in a grassroots mentality. And how we, even how we, right from the beginning, how we built up our fan base was just very grassroots, very hands-on. We worked focused on specific markets to build up our fan bases in those markets and then expanded from there. But our mentality was, look, we realized that we got to try to play as many shows as possible and really expose ourselves to as many markets as possible. And I was really pushing for that the whole time. So, like, it's funny, as the dates started to come in, I'm, like, seeing these lists of dates and, and the possibilities of tours that are coming in. And I'm telling our, you know, our booking agency and our you know, management and our team, I'm like, look, you got to try to get us on the biggest shows possible whatever we have to do. And it's like, okay, Logan, we're going to, we're going to do it. And, you know, I mean, we were started just booking, you know, our first tour was we did this Raskin's winter tour and we mm-hmm. actually filmed, filmed the whole thing and put it up on Facebook, which got a tremendous response. We did all the behind the scenes footage on this stuff. Those were some of our first shows. And it was, some of the shows are great. Some of the shows are kind of rough, but it was, you know, we were just kind of testing the waters and, and now as we're pulling into spring, we knew we were going to be coming into a heavy schedule. And here we go. You know, like the Wyland tour came up. I obviously was, you know, hugely influenced by Scott Wyland, you know, mm-hmm. over the past 
years. So to me, it was a no-brainer, and I wanted to, to hop on that tour as quick as possible. So we did that. And then we have all these Raskin one-offs coming up, probably about 20 of those. And then we had the opportunity to hop on to Saving Abel's tour. And, I mean, we probably have about 20 to 25 shows with those guys. So, yeah. I mean, we have a lot of stuff coming up. And then I just hear, and this is you're probably one of the first people I'm telling this to, um, I just got the call the day before yesterday. Um, it, we got offered the Motley Crew Alice Cooper tour. Oh, so they actually they actually offered us 27 dates. So I'm not exactly sure the logistics on how we're going to schedule it all or work it all out. Um, mm. But obviously, that's a tour for me. I mean, it's a dream tour, and it's a it's a, it's a pretty crazy opportunity. Um, so I don't know if we're going to play all 27, but I know we're going to play a bunch of those shows, and we're going to work it into the schedule. So. Um, this summer is going to be a pretty exciting Insane. one for us. Yeah. You know? And yeah. it's it's definitely overwhelming, but we're just taking it day by day. And I'm trying to just, you know what I mean, just take care of my voice, drink a lot of green tea and honey and just and, and just rest and just take the one take one show at a time. And and, and it's, so far it's going it's going great. And we're just really excited about, you know, things to come. Yeah, you actually stole my next question. I was going to ask you if there was anything in particular you do when you have such a hectic schedule like that with your voice, you know, as a singer. And obviously, you need to maybe pull a fast one and let your brother sing at night if it's too bad. <laughs> you know, it's funny, you know, and and it's crazy. Like the last two venues, we were there were outdoor venues, mm -hmm. and you know, playing like you know, playing outdoor venues is kind of tricky, you know, because it's with like in the humidity or the dry mm -hmm. air during the summer, it's a lot tougher to sing. And I, we got towards the end of our set last night and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, I, I forgot how difficult you have to kind of make an adjustment a little bit singing outside. And I was thinking to my, I just had this quick thought in my head. I was like, wow, what happens if I wasn't really able to get through a set? I'm like, I probably could just have Roger just sing the lead. And it, it, for just a quick moment, that, that same thought that you have mentioned kind of went through my head. But you know what? It, we, you really just have to monitor, you know, monitor things out here and, and be professional. You know, um, I don't drink. I don't smoke or anything like that. You know, you have to warm up for shows properly. You have to monitor about how much you talk and stuff like that and just try to rest as much as possible. And it's really just about being professional, you know, and, mm -hmm. and we, you know, I try to, I try to do that and, and, uh, you know, so, so far so good. <laughs> yeah. Worst case scenario, you guys duck behind the back line, switch outfits, you strap on the guitar and you're good to go for the rest of the set. Hey, my mom always said, anything you guys can get away with is being twins. You have my blessing. Uh, we, okay. and we always did it. We, I asked her that when I was, you know, in junior high school and, you know, we were switching in classes. We were switching on tap. I mean, anything we could switch on girlfriends Anything we can get away with, we did. So, and that was because my mom gave me her blessing. And but anyway, but yeah, we definitely, you know, we definitely got it covered. I mean, Roger definitely has the ability to front the stand easily. You know, it's pretty pretty awesome. cool to come to think of it, though. Well, Logan, I want to thank you for uh, being on the show. Like I said, you're out on the road, Scott Weiland, right now. You've got a whole string yeah. of, uh, of solo dates, and then you're going to be hitting the road with Saving Abel, maybe a little Motley Alice. Uh, we'll get you to Western Pennsylvania. I see you guys are doing a Philadelphia show, but I'm sure we'll get you yeah. to Pittsburgh before too long. 
It's been a pleasure, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, John, man, really a pleasure. I really appreciate you taking the time. All right, special thanks to Logan Raskin for coming on the show again. They're going to be touring with Scott Weiland. Uh, I've got some hopefully very exciting news on some touring plans coming up very soon. We'll get that confirmed, see them out on the road in a major way. Uh, Certainly seem to have a great uh, deal of momentum behind them and a fantastic record to go with it. So I expect big things from them uh, coming from a very musical family. And also, giant thanks to Todd Latore. Uh, for coming on talking about the Queensryche settlement and all things going on in the Queensryche camp. I want to thank you for listening. You can check us out at ironcityrocks.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all forward slash ironcityrocks. So we appreciate any and all uh, following there. We do a lot of live concert photography uh, with some great pics up there from the uh, Rockstar, I'm sorry, the Golden Gods, Revolver Golden Gods. I'm sure we'll have pictures of Rockstar. Who are we kidding? We've had them for years now. Um, the Rockstar Energy Mayhem Festival will be coming through Pittsburgh as well, so we always like to try to cover that wall-to-wall. Uh, I've got some great shots of uh, the Joe Bonamassa show. We, uh, lucky enough, we have a great staff of photographers to check that out as well. So check us out on the web, uh, any of those places you can find all that cool stuff. So you can always drop us a line at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. We answer any and all feedback appreciate uh, ratings on iTunes. It's uh, kind of how we make our bread and butter is on iTunes, so we appreciate the feedback there as well. So until next time, thank you. <laughs>